The following production is brought to you by Derek Lamont Enterprises, a subsidiary of LBM Entertainment, exclusively licensed for use on Patreon.com. Enjoy the show. This week's episodes are sponsored by Unscripted Roasters, a black, veteran, and woman-owned coffee bean roasting company. For more information, please go to Instagram.com slash UnscriptedBarista. Welcome to Patreon.com slash Derek Lamont Experience. As well as the All Our Nonsense Podcast Network, this is The Week in Gaming. To get these shows when they air in their regular time slot on Saturdays, you must be, must be subscribed to Patreon, um, where they air at 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoons. Everywhere else on the free feeds, you will get them Monday mornings at 9 a.m., iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, etc., iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. A um, lot of gaming news. The minute uh, I packed it up as of last week, finished the show, like all types of news broke out. So... Um, there's quite a few stories. I'm just going to highlight a few things just to start off. Um, GameStop CFO was out layoffs across the company, including a GameStop proper and Game Informer. Unclear how hard people have been hit, but it doesn't sound small. A number of reductions as per a company memo. Um, not exactly surprised. GameStop has been trending in a negative direction for quite some time. Um, we've all seen the memes. You take... 60 games in the GameStop and sell them back and they'll give you, you know, we've seen the memes, you know, I'll give you eight bucks for it or something like that. And then they turn it around and, and sell it as slightly pre-owned. I remember a couple years ago, um, this person will remain uh, uh, unnamed, but somebody I know was dating someone at the time who had kids and had bought the kids some stuff for Christmas and then they fell out before the gifts were exchanged. So um, <laughs> he passes, it was a Skylander set for PlayStation 4. Completely untouched, right? He bought it for Christmas. Obviously, the situation happened, so it wasn't going to, you know, whatever. So brand new, this was 60 bucks. It was like Skylanders with the game and the little figurines and all that stuff. He gives it to me. He's like, hey, give it to the little one for Christmas. I'm like, she's not in the gaming yet. This is before, you know. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just take it to GameStop. Never been open, never been used, brand new. Go to sell it to them. We'll give you thirty five. Excuse me. And then they turned around and probably sold it as brand new. GameStop. Um, to be completely honest with you, everybody feels that way. Um, they've just been screwing people for quite some time. Also, since the last generation, the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One, digital gaming became a real, real thing. Um, I can't. I'm looking at my physical games. I have. Way more Switch games physically and more PlayStation 4 games physically. Um, I have like maybe three Xbox One or Xbox Series X and S games. Well, Series X because the S is digital. But uh, the bulk of my stuff that's physical is on Switch. I have a ton of games. Um, If I had to add up my games across all my consoles and PC, it's probably somewhere in the hundreds digitally, right? So, uh, with the advent of digital gaming and purchases, GameStop sales did decline, but also their method of business and the way they kind of screw people over and what we've heard about how they treat their employees. Well, then in my opinion, it's just absolutely karma for the people who are probably going to lose their jobs. Um, I feel bad for you guys. I'm sorry. That company has been ran like a Mickey Mouse fucking operation for quite some time now. And yeah, I think people are just really tired of it and people just aren't going to many brick-and-mortar stores anymore. It's just not the same. So, you know, I don't know. I I, I hate to even comment on it, but, you know, here we are. This is the state of things. So uh, for anybody who's working at GameStop, 
sorry about the situation. Um, hopefully they can find work in the gaming industry or somewhere else. I'm sure that everybody's going to bounce back and find another job. Um, but, you know, it sucks. It just sucks because there are so many cool people that I've met at GameStop and stuff like that. But the company as a whole, just very, very bad business model. And they didn't adjust for the times. And they were supposed to like change the layout of stores, make it more user-friendly like you could come in and have game stations set up and stuff like that they wanted to have it where people could chill in there and i would assume that the atmosphere would then make them want to buy more games and products and stuff like that but um i don't know if they nixed that plan or uh, because of covid and everything but yeah with these layoffs coming this is only the beginning so to everybody working at gamestop good luck in the future uh, hopefully you land on your feet um, next other little story, uh, there's a map of the U.S. and it gives us the most popular video games by state. Uh, the top game with 15 states would be Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, it consumes, uh, I guess that's New Mexico or Arizona, I'm not sure, I don't know, Texas, um, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, was South Carolina, or is that one of the Virginias, Tennessee, Missouri, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Indiana, boy, it did 15 states, by far the most. Uh, next up with four states apiece, Horizon, is that Forbidden West or Zero Dawn? I can't tell. Oh, that's Forbidden West, actually, I think. Or is that Zero Dawn? I can't say. The, the print is very small. I don't have my glasses on. I'm not blind, but the print is very small. It's one of the Horizon titles. Also, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, uh, God of War, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Bioshock come in in two states, as well as Cyberpunk 2077, Zelda Breath of the Wild only carry one state, Resident Evil 2 carry one state, The Witcher 3, one state, uh, Skyrim, two states, Portal, two states, uh, Doom, one state, Hades, three states, it looks like that's Elden Ring, maybe two states as well, yeah, just two states for Elden Ring, so... Just very interesting. Nothing too deep to go into, but kind of gives everybody an idea of what games are being played across the country. So um, with everybody saying that Elden Ring is obviously the leader in the clubhouse for game of the year, I would have figured it actually would have carried more states. But the one thing this map told me is it's not that surprising that people are still playing the shit out of Grand Theft Auto V. This game is just not going to go away uh, until we get Grand Theft Auto Six. So... Speaking of Grand Theft Auto 6, uh, Rockstar confirms support for Red Dead Online has slowed down due to increased development on GTA 6. Instead of major content updates going forward, there will be minor ones such as upcoming additional Telegram missions. So um, for those of you who are waiting for more major updates on uh, Red Dead Online, sorry to tell you guys, they're not coming. What you see is what you get, and what you're going to get uh, going to get going forward is going to be in the very minor, minor... Um, telegram missions and things like that which really sucks red dead 2 is a great fucking game um one of the best games i've ever played it's one of my favorite games of all time it's just sad the state that rockstar has left it in um and apparently rockstar knows that grand theft auto 6 has to absolutely knock everybody's fucking socks off because they're betting big on this one and they're kind of letting some other stuff go by the wayside um there, you know, there was the report, obviously there were supposed to be PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series and X versions of Red Dead 2, which I have both, I have the PlayStation 4 version and the Xbox One version, 
those updates were supposed to come, but they're completely scrapped now because of, uh, as we said previously, the GTA 3, uh, San Andreas, and Vice City collection performing pretty bad. And now they just also, with that, they're, they're putting all their focus on GTA 6. So, was hoping to get that. Would love to play it. 60 frames 4k on either my xbox series x or my playstation 5 um have the option obviously to upgrade both but that's not going to happen so again i'll just be playing on my xbox series x or my playstation 5 with no dual sense support no 4k 60 frames or whatever but it is what it is i don't know also in the news golden eye is still in limbo because of the war uh the war in ukraine apparently is what's holding back development on the xbox port of golden eye keep in mind golden eye was made by rare for the nintendo 64 microsoft did purchase rare as part of xbox game studios at this point um there was the leak before i guess we could now call it game season because it's not e3 season until next year and i'll talk about that in a second but there was the leak that this game was totally coming. The achievements were leaked on live, and they were on the Xbox website. When I went to pull it up, they had actually yanked it off of there. And then we get the Xbox Bethesda show and no GoldenEye. It seems that uh, they're saying the game is still limbo because of the war in Ukraine. That's holding things up. 1v100's team lead left Microsoft as well. So I don't know what that means for the game. This is per Jeff Grubb on Sunday, July 10th. He tweeted this. So we're not sure what's going to happen with that game going forward. I was really, really looking excited uh, excited, and looking forward to this. Was talking to my cousins about it because we grew up like on a Nintendo 64 um, at my uncle's house. Everybody with their controller. And we would literally play um, uh, GoldenEye 007 from sunup to sundown. And we were all looking forward to it, unfortunately. It doesn't look like that's going to happen now. Um, as far as Halo Infinite um, and the state of the game, this is very interesting because what we saw the summer of 2020 during the pandemic that made them pivot from the release date and then we got it later. Remember, they pushed the game. Uh, they pushed it back. It was delayed. Um, I think everybody, the Craig memes and all that stuff, they said they wanted to polish the game. Apparently, there's a lot more to the situation. Quote, the staffing at 343 was also unstable, partially because of its heavy reliance on contract workers, um, excuse me, uh, who made up almost half of the staff by some estimates. Microsoft restricts contractors from staying in their jobs for more than 18 months, which meant steady attrition at 343. Wow, that's an issue. Halo's uh, Infinite's creative direction was also in flux until unusually late in its development. Several developers described 343 as a company split into f uh, fiefdoms, with every team jockeying for resources and making conf conflicting decisions. One developer describes the process as four to five games being developed simultaneously. By the summer of 2019, Halo Infinite was in crisis mode. The studio decided to cut almost two-thirds of the entire planned game, leaving managers to instruct some designers to come to the office and do nothing while the studio figured out the next move. So they got paid for a while to just sit there and do nothing is what it sounds like. Eventually, the game's open world was cut back from a vast Zelda-like experience into something far smaller. It soon become clear to some on the team that even with the compromises, getting Halo Infinite into decent shape by the following fall would be impossible. Still, the timing of the release didn't seem up for discussion. Microsoft told 343 that it had to be a launch game for the next Xbox, which meant releasing it in November 2020. Um... 
And then, of course, like I said, the Summer Game Fest situation, um, the Microsoft show, and the reaction to Craig and all that stuff, the memes. They were like, yeah, we're going to delay it to polish some things. And it's like, a lot of us were like, no, you're delaying it because of the response you got from that show on social media. Microsoft basically got killed and taken to the shed for that game. And a lot of people were like, there's no fucking way they're playing this game. As a result, again, the game got pushed back. Um, I literally have not played it since New Year's Eve. That's December 31st of 2021. Um... It's, I'm not saying it's bad or anything like that. I was never just into Halo that big. Again, I tell the story many times, but I'll tell you guys again. Um, I only got a 360 because it came to market the year before the PlayStation 3. I didn't have the original Xbox, so I missed out on the Halo land parties and all that stuff. Halo's cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm going to jump back in at some point, see if the story grabs me and see how further I go. As far as the multiplayer, I'm not that big on a lot of multiplayer games, to be completely honest with you guys. So it's not something I'm going to be looking forward to. And I know a lot of people, that's what you do. And that's perfectly fine. The last time I really was deep into multiplayer shooters, like I said, Goldeneye. Now I'll play Zombies and sometimes I'll play multiplayer on Call of Duty. But I spend more time on Zombies and on the campaign. I'm one of those people that actually loves Call of Duty campaigns if they're done right. So I don't know. More information on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, the order of visiting each region will change from the original, so you won't go, like, on the original. Once you left Midgar, they're like, we'll meet up in Calm, and then Cloud tells them the story about Sephiroth and his past and this, that, and the third. However, we find out none of that is true at all. Uh, the next update will be a surprise to everyone. There's no PS4 version as the story goes out of Midgar into a wide world and loading times will be a big bottleneck, so PS5's uh, SSD speeds are needed. Um, there's more I have on that as well. Since the current titles for Final for FF7R, Remake, Reunion, and Rebirth, can we assume that the next title will also start with the re? Namura, hmm, I wonder, laughs, since I would like the FF7R project titles to all share the similar hashtag or abbreviation with FF77R, I'm thinking the third installment would also start with an R, which we figured, because we have Remake, Rebirth, and then the Crisis Core Reunion. Um, the interviewer, this is from a uh, Dengue Online Final Fantasy VII Rebirth interview from July 7th. Sorry if I didn't preface that. Next question, I'm quite intrigued with the cutscenes in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth where we see Cloud and Sephiroth walking. Namura, since the announcement trailer was only a teaser one, there wasn't much info in it. The next trailer will be one that has the info that will really, surely surprise you. Okay, this should be very interesting. At a glance, it seems that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth had an open world. Namura says, we will explain that in the next info drop. God, when are we getting that? Question, then, can we assume the same system from FF7R will be carried over? Nomura says, yes, that's right. The first FF7R will serve as the base, and FF7 Rebirth will roughly follow in its footsteps. So it sounds like the same battle system we got in the remake, we're getting in Rebirth, also as an integrate as well. So I'm really, I like that battle system. At first, I was, was kind of iffy, but now I really, really like it, and I'm glad they're sticking with it. Um... I wonder how the battle system will be in Crisis Core, so we'll have to see. Um, next question. It's surprising that the next installment after FF7R would arrive in, on, in only about three years after the first installment was released. Namura says it's really quite fast when you consider the time it took to move the game onto the PS5 and then to the, to the PC version for FF7R Integrate. 
Uh, Katasi says making FF7R integrate soon after FF7R also had an impact. We were able to shift our resources to the PS5 and it allowed for a smoother development of FF7 Rebirth. I mentioned this in the developer's message, but it's truly amazing that we were able to develop a title of this scale so quickly. Next question, will Cloud, Baird, and the other main characters have a change in their 3D models from FF7R to FF7 Rebirth? Namura says, no, I don't think there will be changes. However, after we made some alteration to Yuffie's model from FF7R Integrate, some characters did receive adjustments too. There are many who hope to see Red 13 as a playable character in FF7 Rebirth. Namura says, please look forward to it. So, Red 13, not just part of the party. You will actually get to play with Red 13, so that is a welcoming uh, answer. I'm very, very happy about that. I'm still upset that they cut the, the part out of the Shinra um, company where um, they basically get locked in the cell for night and then they wake up and there's blood all over the hallways and stuff like that. Um, I really love that part where you wake up and the music is really, really eerie and you see all the blood in the hallway and it's like, oh, Sephiroth did this. And, you know, I, I'm really, really upset that they cut that part out of the game, but I don't know. Um, do I think it could show up in this next version of the game? Well, um, you, you know what? I don't know because if they're, well, no, because you're out of Midgar. I don't know. It's just very, very interesting. Um... I, from what I understand, there's no particular order in how you have to visit things in the open world. Um, I don't know. I'm just interested to see how they're going to handle the cloud backstory and that that situation. And, um, you know, the rest of the party having questions. And Tifa, obviously knowing in her heart that Cloud is, you know, he's delusional. And... Um, well, shit, Aerith was with Zack, but she didn't know that Cloud was just basically taking on Zack's persona. So, I don't know. This could be very, very interesting. I'm in interested to see how they handle this going forward. Um, next question, Last question, I'm sorry. What exactly will FF7 Rebirth cover when compared to the original game? Katasi says, while I can't reveal a clear picture for you, there will uh, not be any lack of major events that appear in the original game. However, the locations that appear in the original game might not be present in the same order in FF7 Rebirth. The chronology of how, lake, how locations appear might be shuffled. In other words, even though the order of the locations have changed, that doesn't mean the location itself is omitted, so please do not worry about that, which is good. So, um, sounds like we're going to get, you know, the saucer, all the mini games, chocobo races, all that stuff, um... It sounds like we're going to get everything. It's just not going to be in the same order that it was last time, which, to be completely honest, isn't a big deal. But um, Sephiroth burning down the village, you know, and and Sephiroth taking the slash at Tifa with his katana and stuff like that, that stuff is very important to me. Um, I remember my first play of the game when I got it from my PlayStation and going through that and thinking to myself like like my mom and my brother are like are you still playing that game i'm like yeah i can't put it down my brother's like it can't be that good i'm like no this is enthralling I pr i'm pretty sure at 15 i didn't say enthralling but the game had pulled me in so much and that's why to this day it's still my favorite game so it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that in hd 4k 
60 frames per second, et cetera, et cetera, bringing the game up to modern standards. And I just, I cannot stress enough how excited I am for this game. And I'm very excited to play uh, Crisis Core this winter as well. Uh, obviously, there's an IGN article about that as well. Um, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII won't feature new story elements, but that doesn't mean it's a basic remaster. Uh, ever since Final Fantasy VII Remake concluded with its shock and reveal, fans have been speculating on the possibility of a Crisis Core remaster. The moment was certainly ripe for an updated release of the prequel, starring Zack Fair the Warrior with a suspicious resemblance to Cloud Strife. Aside from its connections to Final Fantasy VII Remake's story, Crisis Core has been difficult to find in recent years, forcing fans to resort to emulators and other measures. I tried to find an emulator for it last winter and could not. It's basically, I guess there are some, but it's generally been locked on the PSP, and if you don't have access to a PSP, you're pretty much screwed. Um, because even when I had my Vita, you couldn't buy Crisis Core. Like, they didn't have a digital version of it, which is just really bad. Now, um, with everything that's come out lately, Sony looking to preserve their legacy titles, that's good. So in the future, these are things you don't have to worry about. Um, Square Enix announced Square Enix uh, announcement of a Crisis Core remaster, which coincided with last month's reveal of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. All the more welcome. It's not any mere port either. Square Enix is overhauling the graphics, the interface, and somewhat controversially, the voice cast. Various improvements have been made to nearly all other scenes and battles to a point where it could be said that the work we are doing is akin to creating a remake, producer uh, Morocco uh, Sato says. However, as the core elements such as the story are grounded in the original work, we will call it a remaster. Speaking with IGN in a brand new interview, Sato discussed Square Enix's intentions for the remaster, outlining the differences between the various platforms and whether or not it will ultimately connect with Rebirth. Veteran producer Yoshinori Katasi was also on hand to shed some light on how the project managed to be greenlit in the first place. According to Katasi, Crisis Core was not conceived in response to Final Fantasy VII Remake's infamous reveal. Rather, Katasi says Final Fantasy VII Remake's successful development led Square Enix to realize that the other stories from the universe could be updated as well. Um, quote, there isn't really an exact date that I can pinpoint at the moment, but I do recall that it was toward the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake development that we realized with the quality we were able to bring to Final Fantasy VII Remake, we might be able to create something for the stories that are actually surrounding Final Fantasy VII. And it is an actual possibility that we can develop Crisis Core. Speaking of which, I did see Advent Children the other day. Where did I see that? Let's see. Um... It is on Amazon Prime Video, YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu. I could have swore I think somebody posted it as being on Netflix. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, um, Crisis Core's history stretches back to the days of the PSP when fans were pining for a Final Fantasy VII remake on PS3. This is true. Especially, and this is the fault of Sony and Square Enix because they showed us that tech demo of what Final Fantasy VII would look like running on the PS3. So we're like, holy shit. And they're like, yeah, but we're not making it. We're just showing you the power of the PlayStation 3. That's cool, but fuck you guys, right? Then we got the PlayStation 4 and that glorious, glorious E3 where they showed us the teaser trailer and we all lost our fucking minds. And at that moment there, I was like, well, that's it. Sony won E3. And a lot of people felt that way that year. Anyway. Um, Crisis Core's history stretches back to the days of the PSP when fans were pining for a Final Fantasy VII remake on PS3. 
Sony's humble handheld couldn't come close to matching its HD sibling, but Crisis Core still felt like a technical achievement at the time. Reimagining the original game's locations in far greater detail than the original PlayStation could imagine. Issues aside, Crisis Core is a great PSP game, no question. It honors Final Fantasy VII's, uh, VII's legacy. It has remained popular with fans in the years since, who laud its excellent uh, finale as being among the best moments in the series. Crisis Core also made Zack, who mainly existed on the periphery of the original game, one of the most popular characters in the series. Until now, though, Crisis Core has been largely locked to the PSP. When Reunion was finally announced last month, fan reaction was largely positive, with plenty uh, noting what seemed like significantly enhanced visuals, but there were also questions. Just how deep would this remaster or remake go, and what about the voice cast led by Rick Gomez, who did so much to bring Zack to life in, fir- in the first place? Um, so, number one, I'm very, very excited about this. However, this story is very, very long, and I'm not going to sit here and take up time on the podcast reading everything. So I am going to go ahead and put it in the show notes. I will link you to the IGN article so you guys can read it for yourself. Um, I haven't read the whole thing yet. I am going to read it, though. But again, I am very, very excited about this. A lot of people being like, this is a uh, a pretty boring year for gaming. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. For me, it's not. Um, Shredder's Revenge is fucking great. What else have I been playing this year? Um, Outside of Madden, 2K, NHL, stuff like that. Um, Horizon Forbidden West, great. Sifu, been great. Um, I actually started playing God of War 2018 again the other day, and God of War 3 Remastered. Um, and we still have some great stuff coming. We're still getting God of War Ragnarok. We're still getting uh, The Last of Us Part 1 for the PlayStation 5. We're getting Crisis Core. Um, We're not getting Starfield this year. We're not getting a lot of major stuff from Xbox, but there is some good stuff out there. The Cuphead DLC is out there. Um, We're getting the uh, Cowabunga collection for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's a lot of great stuff this year, and I literally cannot wait to play a lot of this stuff. I can't wait till the temperature drops, and not only am I getting college football and World Series and playoff baseball and the NBA and the NHL starting back up and stuff like that, but we're getting great gaming. We're getting my favorite season of the year, fall to Christmas, you know what I mean? So I'm super fucking excited, and I'm really, really excited to play this game. Um, other news really quickly, The Last of Us Part 1 has gone gold, so there shouldn't be any delays there. I say shouldn't be because we do know that Cyberpunk 2077 went gold and then got delayed. I do want to point that out, and that was the only time I ever heard of that happening, but Last of Us Part 1 has gone gold. Um, I'm not going to go into the situation that was going on on Twitter this week where everybody's like, I'm not paying 70 bucks. The $70 argument, let's just stop right there. Um... I just, like, somebody else pulled out the receipts from, like, early, early in the 90s where we had to play 90, uh, pay $90 for SNES and Nintendo 64 games. So this isn't a new practice, okay? Um, stop crying, stop complaining. $70 games are not going anywhere. They're here to stay. Um, if you don't want to pay the $70, wait for, wait for a sale or something like that is all I can say to you. I'm not going to do this anti-consumer conversation everybody wants to happen, have and stuff like that. I'm just not going to listen to it. Um, as far as The Last of Us remake, um, everybody, like I said, the $70 conversation, everybody's like, oh, it's just a cash grab by Sony. This is bullshit. Last of Us developer did chime in. Um, 
An animator who worked on The Last of Us Part 1 remake has pushed back against the idea that it's just a cash grab and rather that it, it has had an incredible amount of care and effort behind it. Robert Morrison, who also worked on God of War 2018, Resident Evil 7, and Injustice 2, said The Last of Us Part 1 is the most meticulously built and crafted project that I've ever seen or been a part of in my entire career in a tweet spotted by Eurogamer. The game, which is a remake of the original 2013 PlayStation 3 version, has updated animations, new enemy AI based on The Last of Us Part 2, 60 frames per second performance, and an upgraded combat system. Wow. It's faced some criticism online for a $70 price tag, however, with some suggesting that a remake shouldn't cost the same as a brand new game, such as Horizon, uh, games such as Horizon Forbidden West or Returnal. Morrison disagrees, saying that The Last of Us Part 1 remake has the highest level of care and attention to detail possible. Those, that's a very, very bold claim. September can't get here quick enough. Developer Naughty Dog has shown off some of the new models and animations already, with Tess being the most recent example. The short trailer was also released ahead of its release date of September 2nd. Um, in our 10, 10, 10 out of 10 review of the original, IGN said The Last of Us seamlessly intertwined satisfying choice-based gameplay with the stellar narrative. It never slows down, never lets up, and frankly, it never disappoints. It's PlayStation 3's best exclusive in the entire experience from start to finish is remarkable. Um, yeah. Everybody's like, what are you going to do about this, Derek? I'm buying it. This is a day one play for me. Like, it's not even a joke. I'm sitting here the other day looking at stuff on the console storage and the M.2 storage on my PS5. Like, okay, I know God of War is coming. I know Crisis Core is coming. I know The Last of Us is coming. I'm going to have to start clearing room for some things because I'm playing all those day one. And I'm going to be very fucking excited. Like, the minute I finish The Last of Us, God of War is coming right behind that. The minute I finish that, uh, Crisis Core is coming right behind that. It's going to be a great time for gamers this holiday season. I'm telling you guys that right now. If you differ or you disagree, that's perfectly fine for you. I'm telling you I'm going to enjoy my time this holiday season. Whether you guys do or not, I don't know. I'm just speaking for yours truly, okay? Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really excited to play that after reading more on a lot of this stuff. I'm really excited for where we are as far as gaming. Now, speaking of PlayStation, new PlayStation State of Play teased by Insider. This comes from comicbook.com. A new PlayStation State of Play event could be happening somewhat soon if a new tease from a reputable insider is to be, uh, to be believed. For the most part, Sony has been very quiet throughout 2022 when it comes to revealing what the future has in store for PlayStation. And while some fans have been eager for a large-scale event that better shows off what will be coming to PlayStation 5 down the road, it looks like that showcase could finally be coming. According to Millie Amond, who has had multiple accurate scoops in the past when it comes to PlayStation, Sony is in the process of looking to talk, quote, talk more about what it has lined up for the upcoming months. Amon uh, notes that Sony has a substantial number of PS5 units that it's looking to sell in the back quarter of the year, with so many consoles now available to sell, those at PlayStation have now started to reach out to certain third-party companies to receive assets that could be shown at a future state of play. While Amon doesn't give any specific windows for what this, when this new presentation could take place, the implication is that we could start to hear something official in the coming weeks. In 2021, PlayStation opted to, opted to remain relatively quiet throughout the year until it announced the PlayStation Showcase presentation that took place in September 2021. At this time, we learn more about games like God of War Ragnarok, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Marvel's Wolverine, and many other games. Assuming that Sony is sticking with this same strategy again in 2022, it seems like September could be a feasible window in which a new state of play or similar event of this type could happen. 
If we learn anything new on this front directly from Sony, we'll be sure to keep you in the loop. And that's comicbook.com. Uh, Millie's tweet says, Foxconn PS5 manufacturer allocation, uh, manufacturing allocation for no October, November, and December is substantial. So if you're looking to get a PlayStation 5 for yourself or a loved one, uh, you're going to be able to get one this holiday season. So bear with them. Uh, select third-party devs have been asked about assets. Usually happens in preparation for a state of play or a showcase. When Sony wants to talk, it's usually when they have hardware available to sell. So it seems like they have units available to sell, and they want to get it out there. Keep in mind, Last of Us, God of War this year. Spider-Man 2 is next year. And um, we're also getting the winter of 2023 we are also getting final fantasy 7 rebirth um sucker punch is working on something right now a lot of people seem to think it's ghost of shishima 2 it could be i don't know but there's gonna be some games coming up a lot of people saying it doesn't really feel like next gen if you didn't think it felt like next gen it's gonna feel like next gen keep in mind spider-man 2 exclusive to ps5 that's not gonna be on ps4 god of war ragnarok is more than likely going to be the last cross-gen big tentpole first-party Sony title. It just seems that way because we know after that, Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine are completely exclusive to the PS5, and I'm pretty sure Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is also PS5 and PC. Um, so going forward, this is the way things are trending. This is the way things are headed. Be prepared. Um, get your hands on a PS5 if you can because it seems like there's going to be stock. And then lastly, uh, I'm sorry, not lastly, a couple more stories actually. Again, as I uh, stated last week, E3 sets to return to L.A. in 2023 after a three-year hiatus of having an actual in-person show. After a three-year absence, E3, historically the game industry's biggest confab, is scheduled to return to the Los Angeles Convention Center the second week of June of 2023. The Entertainment Software Association, the trade group that runs the convention, also announced a partnership to produce E3 2023 with Reed Pop, the event production company behind PAX, New York Comic Con, Star Wars Celebration, and others. After the convention in 2020 was canceled because of COVID, ESA held an all-virtual E3 2021 from June 15th, June 12th to June 15th of 2021. This year's convention was canceled altogether. After scrapping the in-person LA event over ongoing concerns about the spread of the coronavirus, ESA said it wouldn't host a virtual show either in 2022 and would focus on delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. Uh, E3 2023 will welcome back publisher. Excuse me, publishers, developers, journalists, content creators, manufacturers, buyers, and licensors. In addition, the event will feature digital showcases and in-person consumer components. ESA, in announcing the return of E3 to LA, hyped next year events as a week of Titanic AAA reveals, earth-shaking world premieres, and exclusive access to the future of video games. Quote, we are thrilled to bring E3 back as an in person event with Repop, a global leader in producing pop culture events, Stanley Pierre-Louis, President and CEO of the ASA said in a statement, the past three years have confirmed that E3 convenes our industry like no other event. ESA hasn't announced specific dates for E3 2023. Media registration will begin in late 2022. Confirmed exhibitors, hotel and travel guides, event schedules, and other details will be shared in the months to come, the organization said. In 2019, the last time E3 was held in person, the uh, convention drew 66,100 attendees, according to the ESA. Some years ago, Repop had made a formal pitch to the ESA to take over E3. Variety previously reported, but that never came to pass. I guess they changed their mind. My thing is this. Um, PlayStation wasn't at E3 2019 because they had nothing to show. They were like, we're not coming. 
and they did their own thing in 2020, and then they, they did their own thing in 2021. Um, EA has kind of did their own thing as well. Nintendo hasn't really done Summer Game Fest anything. Nintendo's been doing their own thing as well. So Microsoft obviously is going to be right next door because they have the Microsoft Theater. They have their own space. So Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, and EA more than likely out and going to do their own thing. But it'll be around that time. Sony probably not going to be around that time. They're going to do their own thing regardless. So at that point, we're looking at the devs who knock out big AAA games. If you want heavy hitters, those are the ones you're going to have to lean on. Because outside of Microsoft, um, there just really isn't much as far as one of the big boys being there. Um, so I don't know. We, we'll see. I just think if E3 2023 doesn't show improve, I think that's kind of it, right? Because at this point, they've all discovered we can hold a digital event and we don't have to spend the money. We shoot it. We produce it, shoot it, edit it on our dime, and we don't have to pay the ESA for registration or anything like that. Unless you have a big game you're wanting to show off and you want people to get hands-on gameplay of it, and you don't want to release a demo to the digital storefronts, maybe that works for you. So we'll see how this one shakes out. And finally, the last story. Ubisoft confirms that Beyond Good and Evil 2 is still in active development. <clears throat> There have been quite a lot of rumors regarding the cancellation of Beyond Good and Evil 2. It hasn't been seen for a long time, and the game itself never materialized into something concrete, concrete and mostly ended up with tech demos instead of gameplay footage. There were also rumors suggesting that Ubisoft might have shelved Beyond Good and Evil 2, which led fans to worry that the project might be canned for good. However, based on the new investors' Q&A shared by Ubisoft, this is not the case. Uh, this information is confidential to the games that are officially announced to the gaming community. The games already known include Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, Skull and Bones, which we're finding out more about. That's coming out actually the day before God of War, so that's November 8th of this year. Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, that's coming out September or so, if it's not already out. I think it's September. I have to double check on that. Um, Roller Champions, Star Wars, Beyond Good and Evil 2, the remakes of Prince of Persia, which is in Development Hill, The Sands of Time, and Tom Clancy's Spinner Cell. There are also future projects, our brands, with among others, Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Tom Clancy's The Division, and our investments in, uh, Rainbow Six Mobile, The Division Mobile, etc., etc., yeah, I don't know. The game was originally set to launch on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. It is possible that given the long development, it could shift to next-gen only, as it, been, it has been rumored for the upcoming Skull and Bones as well. Ubisoft has also announced a showcase of their games for September 10th. They will reportedly reveal the major games during the showcase, including the possibility we might get a look at their Star Wars project or the new Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game. Beyond Good and Evil 2 is in active development, can also get an announcement during the event. I wouldn't hold my breath. What's interesting here, um, they've been taking the, the year off to kind of give Assassin's Creed room to breathe. The last Assassin's Creed was Valhalla, and that was 2020. Is there going to be, because nothing has been said this year, if there's going to be a new mainline Assassin's Creed game, or if this is going to be the one that kind of melds them all into some kind of live service thing. I don't know. But, um... I don't know. If Beyond Good and Evil 2 is not in development hell and it's actually doing well, we would like to see some of it. 
I don't know. The question is when or if and when if they show anything. But again, that Ubisoft showcase is set for September 10th, so I'll be watching that um, with a very watchful eye to see what happens. But anyway, uh, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm sorry there wasn't much structure to the show because there was so much stuff pouring in. I was like, okay, I'm gonna building the show, and then I, something else happened, and then something else happened. I was like, well, fuck, I'm not done putting the show together. But I wanted to go ahead and record it early in the week because there was so much that's going to be going on in the back end of the week for me. And also, there's a lot of stuff I needed to get out. So, again, a developer says The Last of Us 1 is not at all a cash grab. It is going to be one of the, mo the best games you'll play being reanimated, lighting textures, new combat system, AI, all that stuff. Sony possibly prepping for a PlayStation showcase, which, again, we know Spider-Man's coming next year. We know Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is coming next year, so we know at some point we're getting Wolverine, so they got to start showing us what is coming after that. Um, E3 to return, uh, 2023, Reed Pop helping out the ESA. Uh, Crisis Core, going to be really, really awesome. Again, I will put that um, link to that IGN article in the show notes. Um, and then the other things... We hope that the situation with uh, GoldenEye... Obviously, the war in Ukraine is a huge focus, and it's bigger than any video game, so we want everybody to be safe and stuff like that. That situation will sort itself out when it does. It's not like it's a brand-new game, but, yeah, people do want to play it. Um, Red Dead Redemption Online. Sorry, it's pretty much done, though, guys. I don't know. Um, and, again, The Last of Us Part 1 is Gun Gold. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got for you guys today. Of course, my name is Derek Lamont Jackson. I'm going to end this like I end every other episode. Believe in yourself first and foremost, because if you don't, nobody else will believe in you. That's my time for today. I got to go. Peace.